Hey, everyone. Welcome to Crucial Conversations. I'm Peter. And I'm Kevin. And this is episode 30. We've made it to wow. episode 30. 30. Yeah. I mean, the first 12 was with a group of other guys, but still, episode 30 is kind of cool. It's a nice round number, right? It's no more round than 29. Well, there's more round. Never mind. We're moving on. <laughs> We're moving on because nobody gets our jokes other than us. And our wives have both told us this. So we're going to move on now. Moving right on. (laughs) Uh, Before we move on, though, if you want to support Crucial Productions, which is the organization that puts out Crucial Conversations, also the video series Anchored in Christ, the Bible in Five video series, which I am really excited to say is moving along very nicely. We field tested Romans in Five in several different settings. And so... That might be ready for release uh, within the next couple weeks here. That's pretty awesome. Habakkuk has also been recorded. I'll start editing that this week, and that'll come out too. So we're, we're excited to bring you books of the Bible to help you learn them and understand them and then pass them on to other people. Right, Kevin? Yes, but when we say excited, it is Holy Week, so we're excited in, <laughs> in a, a very muted, solemn way. understated. Yes. <laughs> Next week will be way more exciting. Okay, now you're making me laugh at Holy Week, and Don't that's also that. bad. That's very bad. <laughs> uh, but this is Holy Week, and so, oh, if you want to support those things, crucialproductions.org slash give. Very easy. That's There's several options there to do that. Anything helps, and that's, we thank you for that. We also fully endorse the go to your local church slash give. Well, we actually endorse that first. Yes. Which we haven't said the last couple fully. episodes, so that's a good thing. Give to your local church first. You you want extra ministry to give to, extra outreach? We're here for you. There you go. We, we'd love to fill that role. So, Holy Week. This is a huge week in the life of the church, in the life of Christians. It's not an overstatement, I think, to say that there is no other bigger week in Christian history, in church. Like, everything leads to this week. The, the entire life of a Christian points to this week, which Kevin brings me to a problem that as a human I have, and I'm pretty sure you've had this problem and we probably have a lot of listeners who have the same problem. And that is I struggle to know who God is and that that struggle manifests itself in this particular way. I tend to come up with my own idea of who God is and then I read scripture and try and understand scripture based on who I think God is. Now, I know that's backwards. And before we get into what that side of it looks like, I'd like you in this episode to walk us through from scripture how we actually know and believe who God is. And I'm actually going to give you a starting point for this, too. Wow. Wow. (laughs) I'd like us to start in Exodus which, first of all, is weird, because um, who goes to the Old Testament? Because that Old Testament God, he's like always mean and angry, right? Like, that's what everybody says. Old Testament God, mean, angry, judgmental. So it's kind of odd that I'm going to the Old Testament first. I'm also going to the Old Testament because you're the one who pointed this verse out to us in Bible study a couple weeks ago, as we're going through Romans, of all places. But here is the Bible verse I want us to start with. And that is Exodus 34, verse 6, starting with verse 6. 
So Moses is on Mount Sinai, and God is going to show himself to Moses. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with them there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. That's actually verse 5. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Okay, why, Kevin, why would we start there? This is, um, this is one of the, the most important verses in the entire scripture. And in, in, in rabbinic history and Old Testament interpretation, this is really the key verse that tells us who God is. We, we, we often go to Exodus chapter 3 when Moses first learns God's name, right? He says, well, the if I'm going to go... Yeah, in the burning bush, right? If I'm going to go to Egypt and say, let my people go, and they're like, well, who sent you, and all that kind of stuff. And he he's says, like, well, I am. Yeah, he's like, who should I say sent me? I don't know your name. And God says, I am. And he goes, that's not helpful. <laughs> what does that mean? He goes, I am, that I am. Moses says, okay, if we'll go with it. That's all I'm going to get. <laughs> I have no I idea guess that we'll means. go with that. So, okay, okay, great. So, so that's where we get the word Yahweh, or the name Yahweh, right? Mm-hmm. That's it's some kind of form of the Hebrew verb to be, and it usually has no vowels in it. It's just the consonants, which are actually all just breath sounds. So it kind of ends up sounding something like Yahweh, which is fun. Um, so we attach vowels to it. Be interesting if that even came through on the podcast. Right, just kind of Yahweh. So we attach vowels to it to say Yahweh, but that's not necessarily helpful. That's a word we can use to name God, a word that he kind of used for himself. Mm-hmm. So that's fine, and that's that's called the tetragrammaton, means the four letters, because in Hebrew it's four letters, that stands for God's proper name. Mm-hmm. So in the Hebrew Bible, this is the proper name of God, and this is the word that then is never said out loud so that you don't violate the second commandment by taking it in vain. You just don't say it. Mm. So in the Hebrew Bible, they added the vowels from the Hebrew word Adonai, which means Lord, on top of the consonants for Yahweh. And that's where you get the combination of, of sounds that say Yahweh or Jehovah hmm. is a combination of the vowels from Adonai and the consonants of Yahweh. So we have the name of God as Yahweh, which is how we kind of pronounce it in English, um, the reason they did that, by the way, in the Bible is, is that when you're reading the scriptures out loud, when you came to the Tetragrammaton, the, the four letters that stand for Yahweh, you wouldn't say Yahweh. You would actually say Adonai, which means Lord or, or Master or mm. something like that, right? So so that was those, those vowels were there to kind of trigger you to read it that way. So what happens is in Exodus chapter 3 and in Exodus chapter 6, we learn the name of God. But we don't really know much about him. Right. We know his name. We know that he created. We know that he promised to Abraham. We know that he has a people that he was going to rescue. Mm-hmm. But we don't know much about him. And that's that's why Exodus 34 is so important, because it tells us who God is. Yeah, we actually get name. characteristics yeah, of is, him. This is what he's like. What kind of a God is he? What kind of a God is he? Yeah. He's bored. No, that's not what we learn, right? He's, <laughs> Wait, he's, I, it's, I, he's not I don't remember bored. reading that's that. Not what, that's not what you learn, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so when Yahweh wants to let us know who he is, he comes before Moses, who is his representative on earth, mm-hmm. right? That's his kind of mediator between him and his people, is, yep. is Moses. 
And he says to Moses, he repeats his name twice, Yahweh, Yahweh, or, the, or in the English Bible, the Lord, the Lord, and the, which is Yahweh, Yahweh. And it's in small caps, right. so you know the, the Lord. So that's the, that's the cheat, right? In the yep. English Bible, if Lord is in small caps, that means they're translated the word Yahweh mm-hmm. as Lord, Adonai. Right. Okay, so it says Yahweh, Yahweh, and then it says this is who he is. Yahweh is a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. What? That doesn't sound angry. That's the first thing God wants us to know about him. Mm-hmm. That's remarkable. Also unexpected. <laughs> unexpected. And honestly, kind of stops you dead in your tracks as a theologian. Hmm. Because normally when we think about God and we want to talk about God, we, we go to things like he's eternal. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. Yeah. He's omnipotent. <laughs> right. See all the he's omni. Huge. He's, he's largish. Yeah. You know, and he's he's judgmental. All these glory kind yeah, of and, words where he's just big and amazing. Exactly. Yeah. And and, and really, um, I say this a Which lot. Which are all to true. Yeah. Those are those fine. are all true. Well, maybe we'll see. They could be. Maybe not in the sense that we mean them. Yeah. We'll, we'll add that caveat see, that's, for that's you. That's kind of the point. Is well, <laughs> we're kind of already in trouble because I don't know what you mean by those words. Hmm. And and this is really what we're getting at as we discuss these things is that when you read scripture and God is the one who gets to define who He is. Yeah. Then we stick with His words. His words are these, right? First thing he wants you to know is that he is he is God, which is impressive. Um, but he's merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. The most important thing you know about God is that he's merciful, loving, faithful. Hmm. I mean, these are amazing words. This does not sound like an Old Testament God that everyone's scared of. This kind of sounds like the God of the New Testament. Right. Doesn't it? Yeah. This kind of sounds like this guy named... Jesus. Yeah. And and <laughs> so, so you not kinda, to give it all away. Not that we're tipping our yeah. hand or anything. But but this is why this verse is so important in the Old Testament, because now we understand the character of God. Mm-hmm. And everything that we read in the Old Testament, we read because of this reality of who God is. He's Yahweh. Mm. There is no other God. Right? If if you go to a church that has the three year lectionary, which I do. And this last do. Sunday was Palm Sunday. And we read from Deuteronomy chapter 32, in which God says, there is no other God besides me. I'm the only one there is, mm-hmm. right? So I get to do what I want. I get to execute judgment. That's what I get to do. I get to have mercy. That's what I get to do. Because I'm the only God there is. So one of the first things you learn about Yahweh is, is he's God. And there's no competitors for that spot. Yeah. There's no one else saying, no, 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 I'm God too. And he goes, well, you're not as quite as much God as I am. <laughs> no, there's God. And then there's other things, but not God. Right. Right? They're creatures. They're whatevers. They're angels, humans, whatever you want to do. But they're not God. So Yahweh is actually God, which is phenomenal because you're asking who is God or what is God like? And the answer is, well, he has a name, which is strange. Mm-hmm. And then when we learn about what that name tells us about that God, we learn that he is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in love, and yet he punishes. Hmm. 
See, we don't, we can't stop with the good stuff and leave off the second part, which is, but I do punish people. I almost stopped reading at that point. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, like, oh, oh, I guess I, I started reading that sentence. I guess I'll finish it now. <laughs> so, so one of the wonderful things about being a theologian is that you don't have to know everything. And, and I'm just going to tell, tell the, our audience this. This is a kind of a secret, but I'm going to tell them this. My good friend, Tom Egger, who's a professor at the seminary uh, at, in St. Louis, he just finished I was say, You can't say just the seminary. That's the one of seminary. our inside jokes it's, here. It's you can't, yeah. The seminary here in St. Louis. Yeah, we have the, several. The real seminary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he just minute. finished his dissertation <laughs> writing on this passage and a couple other passages in the Old Testament, but he really started his project by by examining this. What does it mean to punish the children of the sins of the father on the children of the fourth and fourth generation? What does that mean, right? Mm, yeah. And and he really talks about this verse. And and why I'm bringing all this up is because I'm hoping that that his dissertation will be made available soon because it's extremely good. Mm. And he really is is um, probably the first guy that really does a thorough examination of this text. Hmm. And and really just hits it out of the park. So yeah. so look for that. We'll try to advertise if it ever does come out. But Tom Egger, sure. Um, even if you want to email, hey, him, maybe say, we'll have up. him on the podcast. I'm and hoping talk about it. We'll see sometime. if he'll do that. It'll be better than anything I have to say about it because <laughs> he's he's the man. He knows what he's doing. We'll so, just let him take over. It'll be great. Yeah, we'll just let him talk if he yeah. gets on. That'd be great. Um, but but really, so so what we have here is is the characters of God and and Lutherans like this because you have you have that he is primarily gospel. That's his. That's mm-hmm. his proper work, right? Is yep. the gospel to love and to forgive, and then you have his alien work, is which is to punish. And and we learn that that the first thing we learn about God is that He's a God of love and mercy and forgiveness. Mm. That's the first thing. He's abounding in steadfast love, right? He has patience. See, now normally we we go to the New Testament to learn that God is love, yeah. but here we're seeing, no, this right here, God is saying, "I am love." In the Old Testament, yeah, that's now, who I am. The, this brings to mind our this episode fourteen, the second one we did. We we had a Bible reading plan through the lens of Jesus, and it seems to me that that reading plan might actually speak to this a little bit because as we're talking about this, I'm thinking of okay, I'm opening up my Bible, starting in Genesis, reading through, and going at a Bible reading plan as if I've never read Scripture before in that order. Okay, well, yeah, God created everything. That's great. And oh, but then we have this flood. Well, he, well, he kicks him out of the garden. Yeah. Kind of angry there. Then yeah. we have this flood, or he's cursing Cain. We have the flood. Then we have the Tower of Babel, and he's confusing people and scattering them. Um, then we have him telling Abraham to like sacrifice his son. That seems yeah. kind of angry. A fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, so I'm reading all the way through. Oh, he hardens Pharaoh's heart and does all these awful oh. things to Egypt. Oh, yeah. All of that's happening before we even get to this passage in Exodus. Oh, did we already skip the the golden calf? Right. And you know, yeah. we've already had that too. Yeah. So like by the time we get to this, I've already got it set in my head, well, God's angry. Yeah. Like he's just mean and angry because I've read it going in that direction. And because I'm a sinful human, I of course focus on those attributes of God and those big events that stick out in my head. And so once again, the way in which I read scripture is actually impacted by the order in which I've read scripture and somewhat. That's, here. that's a very important <laughs> point you're making. And and again, we did address this in our previous episodes. So we won't rehash the entire thing. 
But I would even submit that there's something that's happening before you do that. Hmm. And that's that you are coming to Scripture with presuppositions. Presuppositions is a big, long word that says, stuff you thought before you started thinking. Or baggage. Or baggage. Yeah, I've come or, with my own baggage. Yeah, I've come with your own baggage. And, and your baggage is that God is something. God, like we said before, God is huge. God is out there somewhere. I have some sort of idea God about exists, God already before I is, open up the Bible. I mean, even, even just the idea that there is a God is a presupposition that we bring to Scripture or we don't bring to Scripture. Hmm. And and all of these presuppositions, all of these things that we bring to our, to our Scripture, all of our baggage, it really colors the way we read the Scriptures and the way it colors the way that we see the God of the Scriptures. Hmm. And one thing that we're seeking to do in crucial productions in our lives as Christians is, is to really say, let's let God tell us and let's let what God tells us be the truth that shapes our presuppositions. Does that make sense? Yeah. And the other thing I thought along with that, once again, something we've covered a lot, but I'm glad we're continuing to cover it because I think this is another common theme is this idea of trust. Mm-hmm. When I come to Scripture with those presuppositions, I'm actually trusting myself right. and my own thoughts, my own reason, whatever it is I'm bringing to Scripture and that causes me to read Scripture other than how God has revealed himself. Yeah. I'm actually trusting something else other than God, which... As Lutherans, we say that's a first commandment issue. Right, exactly. Th- this it is, is. I, this is idolatry. I am trusting whatever it is I'm bringing to Scripture instead of what God has said about Himself. So, yeah, so, we've got a whole bunch of different things yeah. going on here, and that's why you know in one. Pa- <laughs> that's why podcast, I said I have a problem when we yeah. started off. I don't know who God is. I have I, a problem, <laughs> and and I I think this is you know a lot of people will will talk about theology or or how to do pro- theology properly and the and the problem with theology is we're kind of already in trouble as soon as we start because our concupiscence our original sin our inability oh, you to cut it in first yeah, again. I did yeah. our inability to come to scripture without presuppositions really challenges us as we read scripture even if we come to it with the best heart we can, the most sincere yeah. motives and faith. And we still have to always be aware that I am, I am walking into scripture with something. Even my most basic ideas about who God is right. will color how I read that. I, I am not a blank slate as I just come not. to scripture. But just... And even <laughs> so, so now we have not just your idea of who God is, but who you are. Hmm. And, and when we walk into scripture, those two things as kind of set in stone, and scripture has to live up to those expectations, right? Yeah. Now all of a sudden we start reading scripture through a lens of, well, God is this, therefore scripture must back this up because scripture is the word of God and it's true and I know who God is. So therefore, if scripture is true and I know who God is, then it's got to line up somehow. So what we do is we, we start interpreting the words of scripture through our lens of what God must be mm-hmm. or through our lens of what the words the scriptures use to define God what those words actually mean. So, And most of the time we don't even realize this is what no. we're doing. We're, we just think we're doing, it's just a straight reading of the text. Right. I'm just I'm reading what the Bible says. Completely objectively. So, yeah. so what we want to do is run quickly, because we're running out of time already, <laughs> to the New Testament to kind of see how this all works out. And well, yeah, but let's, so let's really quick to make the connection. If God is a God of love and grace and mercy, 
Okay, where do we see that? So, so we go to a passage, First um, John chapter four, which is you know it's written by John, so it's always going to be the best passage to go to. <laughs> so, First John chapter four says, "Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God." And we go, "Ooh, I like that." I, I like I like love. Love, love is a, love, is, love nice. is popular these days. Everyone wants to love everybody and accept everybody, and this is a good passage. And whoever has been born of God, whoever loves, has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. Okay, so this is one of those great statements where we yeah. know something about God now. This is describing a characteristic of God, describing God by using a word that we all understand. God is love. And everybody and so, knows what love is. That's right. And we all know what love is, therefore we all know who God is. And when Except. God doesn't live up to my understanding of love, God is failing to be God. Right. And what we've just, even in that sentence, everybody knows what love is. Therefore, we know what who God is. Yep. Already, we flipped it around. Exactly. It's already backwards right there. It's, and, it happens that quickly. And this that's exactly right. And this <laughs> is the big challenge of what we're trying to get at today in this discussion is that let... God define his own terms. This is the biggest challenge in reading the scriptures for me. This is the, this is the challenge of faith itself. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So so here's my question. And and I've, you you know the answer because you've been through this with me a couple times, but <laughs> but who is the God that the people in the New Testament believe in? Jesus. Well, okay, who's the God that Jesus believes in? Oh, God the Father. Who is that? The Creator. Uh, okay. Who? <laughs> uh, what? How would you define the God that uh, Jesus believes in? Who is Who is His Father? God. Yeah, but I don't, what does I that don't mean? know where we're going see, with this. <laughs> see, the the point is, is that one of the first things you have to understand about the old, te- the New Testament, is that the God of the New Testament is the God of the Old Testament. Right. Because when they want to say, God said this, or this is divinely true, they quote the Old Testament. Right. And and Jesus literally says, my father is that God. Which is which is one of the things, and I always get the same stare you're just giving me right now, which is, <laughs> duh. But no, it's not duh. It's Think not, it through yeah. for a second. Who said that this, this book written, you know, 300 years after the last prophet wrote, at least that these books all have the exact same God as those books. I mean, if you take, this is, this, and you can go back and listen to a different episode for this, but if you take the Quran, which uses the word God all over the place, and Jesus all over the place, mm-hmm. and you said, oh, it's the same God. I would say, no, it's not. Nope. It's not the same God. You say, but, but it says God here, and it and says, it says Jesus, Jesus, and it talks about him being his father, and all these kind of same things. Well, this is exactly the issue of the New Testament and the Old Testament. We have, we have a bunch of stuff about God in a Jewish context. We have a bunch of stuff about God in a Jewish context. And we say, well, why? It seems to be totally different. I mean, Jesus is talking about God the Father, and he's saying, you've heard it said, but I say to you, and all these things. But the New Testament writers consistently say the God we're talking about is the one in the Old Testament. Yeah, Jesus's father is the same God that was revealed in the Old Testament when Moses talked to him on Sinai. Now the fun thing is Jesus is the one he talked to, but we'll get there. In a second. Right. Well, I was so, going to say, and Jesus keeps saying, "Hey, that was me." Hey, that's actually me. So that was fun. <laughs> I was there. Yeah. Um, but but the point is, 
the first thing we have to establish in order to say that First John 4 is talking about the same God as the one in Exodus is that the, the writers of the New Testament believed that the Old Testament was the revelation of God. Yeah. It was the truth about who God is, which means if you want to learn about God, you've got to read those texts. <laughs> you can't start with philosophy and say, here's what divinity is, and now we'll read the scriptures to figure out if their divinity fits. So you just you just made a move that's something that I think we do in Crucial Productions, we do it a little bit more than maybe other other places, but you've you've said we're not going to assume this connection between the Old and the New Testament because, well, for me growing up, it's like, well, yeah, it's Old Testament, New Testament, it's all the Bible. It's bound together. And you just, there you go. <clears throat> we're, what we're doing is we're actually helping you work through how that actually works, how that's actually true, how we actually believe that, rather than just letting that assumption sit out there. And the reason that's we're, we're not we're not questioning whether it's actually well, we're questioning yes, we only to get you to think about yeah, it. Yeah, we're not not because we're saying it's not true. We're not. I don't think we're going to end up there. We better not. That'd be kind of her- heretical. <laughs> but but the point is we're we're actually doing the additional legwork that the, we usually skip. The point is we're taking seriously the New Testament and sure. the way that it handles itself. Okay, open yeah. to the first page of the New Testament, right? This is the story, or this is genealogy, of Jesus the Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Mm. And then you have the genealogy, starting with Abraham, to David, to the Christ. Yeah. Why does it do that? Because Matthew is saying, same story. Mm -hmm. We're not starting over. This is not a brand new story of God. This is the God who worked through Abraham and David and promised a Messiah. Well, guess what? Messiah is here. His name is Jesus. Yep. And then Matthew goes through great pains in his entire gospel to keep saying, hey, this is what the Old Testament was talking about. This Jesus guy, this is what the Old Testament is prophesying. When he did this, that's because the Old Testament prophesied it, even and especially at his death. Hmm. Right? Yep. This was to fulfill the scriptures. This was to fulfill the scriptures. So the point is, the old, the New Testament looks at the Old Testament and says, those words are authoritative and they are trustworthy because they are the very words of God to tell us the truth. Mm -hmm. So now this Jesus guy is doing everything according to those words and his teachings are the same truth as those teachings. Right. And everything he did, right, especially his death and resurrection, are the embodiment of what those scriptures, those writings said he was going to happen. Right. So now what we're saying is that Jesus is part of the Old Testament story. He's the fulfillment of it. He's he's bringing all of it to reality in his flesh, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, in his ascension, which means it's going to finish at his second coming. Right. And the point is when Jesus says, I'm talking about God, we know who, who that God is. That is Yahweh, Yahweh. Mm-hmm. A God who is merciful, gracious, exactly, slow to anger, yeah, and abounding in steadfast love, mm. and yet punishes, which is exactly what we hear in the words of Jesus. Mm. Right? Jesus teaches us that God is gracious and merciful and forgiving, and yet punishes. And and the reason this is so important is because now when you read the New Testament and we read the Old Testament, we're not 
We're not saying, well, these are two different stories or different gods. We're actually saying this is God revealed to us in his son, Jesus Christ. So what the New Testament goes through great pains to tell us, and especially John's writings, Mm -hmm. is that outside of Jesus, you can't understand God. Like even, even Exodus 34 doesn't make any sense until we see it lived in the death and resurrection of Jesus. What does Ultimately, it mean that God yeah. is gracious and merciful, forgiving sins? Does it mean he just says, eh, I don't care if you sin? Does it mean that you have to <laughs> offer a blood sacrifice in a bull or a ram or a lamb? No, actually, that's not what it means. He actually means that he will sacrifice his son. Mm. And that will be the atonement for sins. And the sacrificial system, all the blood of the goats and the bulls and, the, and all the stuff in the Old Testament, the wave offering, the fellowship offering, the drink offering, mm-hmm. right? The, clean, the cleanliness laws, the unclean laws, the, the ceremonial washings, the ceremonial get away from here, the cutting off, all that kind of stuff was actually to show us what God was going to do in Christ. And when we see what God does in Christ, what the Gospel of John teaches us is that's when we learn who God truly is. So what this means is when it says God is love, it doesn't mean that I say, oh, I know what love is, therefore God has to act (laughs) according to my definition of love. No, what it says is now read the scriptures to learn what love is. So that's that's the hard part, and I think that's the that's the switch that we don't naturally make. Right. And by natural, I mean our, our own sinfulness, our concupiscence doesn't allow us to actually do that. We actually need God to to do show that. us that and to do that for exactly. us. So because it's hard for me to read first John four, where it says, God is love, and then I go back and read about Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. I'm like Wait, doesn't, what? Doesn't look loving. Yeah, that's that's not how I see loving at all, but but that's the problem. Right. I, that's what I have just done exactly what we're saying you can't do. I've done what Scripture says you can't do. I've done what God says, no, I tell you what love is. So when I went back and looked at Sodom and Gomorrah and said, that doesn't look like love, I've said, God, I'm not going to trust you to tell me what love is. I'm going to decide what love is. And then if you don't live up to my idea of love, you're not very good at being God. Yeah, you just like burned all those people. Which, just a little plug, that's the book of Habakkuk. Yeah, Habakkuk is saying to God, <laughs> you're not very good at being God because you haven't lived up to my expectations of how you should handle this situation. Yeah. Or how you should do this or who you should use. See, Habakkuk stands up and says to God, you're not living up to my expectations. And God says... The righteous will live by faith. faith. Yeah. And at the end of Habakkuk, Habakkuk says, you know what? If the whole world is against me, if I lose everything, the salvation of the Lord is all I got. Mm -hmm. And that's all I need. And I will rejoice in that because the steadfast love of the Lord is all that matters. And what Habakkuk learns is that by faith, we stop telling God and we start listening to what he tells us about these things. So when it says God is love, I always say this, and I always submit this, I say this in my own head. (laughs) I'm not sure I say it out loud that much, but I say it in my own head. 
God did not write love and then submit it to me and say, why don't you tell me how I'm supposed to do this? How should I fill this how word? How should I love? <laughs> yeah. Now that, I, now that you know what love is, Kevin, you're so awesome. <laughs> no, I, what that means is if God is love and that the place that I learned that is in Holy Scripture, then Holy Scripture is also where I learn what love is. Yeah. See, he doesn't submit himself to our definitions of love. And this is the key. This is the key idea to understanding when people say, well, God said that back in the day, but we've progressed in our ideas, and therefore he's got to be okay with the way we do things now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, well, yeah, that, you know, back in the day, God said you couldn't do that. But now we all understand it's cool. So, or he had a different reason back, right. then, back then. And now we changed. know that reason to, isn't actually the thing anymore. That's not really a problem. So and, we can do this thing. And it's easy for all of us to find instances of other people doing that and say, yeah, what are you doing? But the, <laughs> but the reality is, careful. Yeah. I mean, careful. What am I doing where I'm reading scripture every day and saying, well, God doesn't mean that in my life because, you know, that's back in the day. But yeah. I've learned more. And I think one of the places that, that I see this happening a lot is in an interpretation of parables. Hmm. You'll hear a lot of people say, well, well, back then they thought this. And you're like, hmm. <laughs> um, let's, let's read the parable and ask the question of what does this teach me about Jesus? And therefore, what am I learning about God? Yeah. And, and I, I, I still think this is a vitally important thing to do as you read any scripture passage is to stop pretending that I'm the hero of the story and ask the question of scripture, how does this teach me about Jesus? Yeah. And therefore, what do I learn about God? And that's that's the important thing we want to get to. And I know we're and time is running out. And therefore, what do I learn about God? I think that's that's the key because part of the reason this question came up for me, first of all, it's Holy Week as yeah. we're recording this. I mean, who knows when people end up listening to who this knows? later on? But th this is Holy Week, and so th the internet, especially from people who used to be Christians who aren't anymore, or progressive Christians is sometimes a label mm -hmm. that gets used mm -hmm. or liberal. I, I want to avoid too much of that post-Christian, yeah. especially because we've also made the point that, look, we, we all Christians actually do this yeah. because it's part of our sinful human nature. But I have an example of kind of where this has been taken to the nth degree, if you will, to yeah. where this is in a completely different right. category now to help us see, okay, what does this actually look like? You know, when... So, so I'll read this example. Um, I'm not putting a name with it. It's, it. It showed up in my Facebook newsfeed, but actually name doesn't matter because anybody who hears this, you probably will have heard something like this before. This is not new. So here, here's, the, here's the quote. As we head into Palm Sunday and Holy Week, many of you are going to hear sermons about blood magic, i.e. Jesus atoning blood sacrifice on the cross. Understand that being a Christian does not mean believing in blood magic. God is not a bloodthirsty ancient tribal deity that needs human or small human or animal sacrifices to love and accept us. Such an idea is frankly blasphemous and pagan. Such a god is not good and should not be worshiped. Instead, we must understand that Jesus died because he refused to keep silent as the powers that be exploited and brutalized people. Justice was his atonement. Resisting evildoers was his atonement. Okay, end quote. Um, I, I'm pretty sure after this episode and describing 
how this actually works, it's pretty obvious what has happened here in this yeah. in this I mean there's a lot in that that's true. There's a lot of interesting observations that God is God and not a, a pagan an ancient pagan deity. That is well, true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that needs. That's true. God doesn't have any needs. Mm-hmm. I mean there's a lot in this that is philosophically important to say. But you see what we just did. But it's kind of the package and how it's all put together right. into there. So what we're doing is we're taking all these philosophical ideas of of the God of Scripture and saying, well, he, he kind of, you know, we, we need ways to talk about him. But what we're doing is saying, therefore, if he does this, he's not good. Well, I think that's... And, and he, you kind of wonder, where are you getting the idea of good? Because everything in the Bible that talks about good is tied to God saving his people. Hmm. And the way God saves his people is in the Old Testament, primarily through the Exodus, and the New Testament, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, which, by the way, is not because of injustice. Right. That's just just not (laughs) true, okay? As a matter of fact, Jesus does keep silent, in the face of the injustice, oddly and enough, I mean yeah. th- that's actually the opposite of what he, he does because right. everybody's waiting for him to right. pick up a sword and lead and, the charge against injustice right. and stop Rome. And he and never stop, does, but he doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> and he's, he's kind of, as a matter of fact, anyway, that's a whole other issue. But but you see what he did there is 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 the the poster he or she or whoever it is. Yeah, the the person who posted this, um, they took some very interesting observations and say, I don't like the ancient deity demands a sacrifice, God. Which I don't either. That's not the God of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, all pagan gods are deceptive imitations of the true God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So so that's this how is Satan, also, that's this how is, Satan works. This is something that's important to say, right? So yeah. we have Babylonian flood myths. Well, yeah, of course we do. Because well, there we, was a flood. We have other creation stories. You go, Well, of course we do. Why wouldn't we? Right, and and the important thing is when you look at all the ancient Near Eastern texts, and we look at all the other religions in the world, and we say, "Oh, wow, there's similarities," and we say, "Of course there are, exactly," but we don't point the direction to all these pagan things. Therefore, the Bible was written to kind of mitigate them and make up our own god. <laughs> no, 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 no. All these things simply testify to the reality of the truth of Scripture. There was a flood. And so other set people said, this is this is why it happened. Yeah. We said, no, actually, God did it. And he other, tells us other very cultures plainly. who didn't know God right. had to come up with the reason for it. And by the way, go ahead and read them. It's not like theirs are are less weird than ours. <laughs> I mean, talk about it. They invent a whole pantheon of gods and all kinds of other things to explain things, and you just don't even want to go there. But but the point is, when he, when you say he's not an ancient pagan deity, the answer is that's is, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And most ancient pagan deities demanded blood sacrifice or some kind of change in the worshiper in order to please them, right? Yeah. So you had to offer things. In it order it to was make a them happy. it was a in order to manipulate the deity. Exactly. Yeah. And and you're right. That's not the true God. Right. That's not the true God. But then to say therefore, Jesus didn't do what he actually did. See, now we're now we're taking truth and we're and we're saying scripture must obey my version of truth. Here's here's the scary thing of the New God Testament. God must fit my idea of who exactly. he's supposed to be. Yeah. The scary thing of the New Testament is Jesus dies to pay the price for sin. He sheds his blood as a sacrifice of atonement. 
mm-hmm. for our sins. You can't get around that truth in the New Testament. It's throughout the New Testament. He dies as a ransom. He dies as a redemption. He dies as the Lamb of God. He dies to wash us. He he, he dies to cleanse us. He pays he di- the price. Pays, yeah. All of these things. Yep. He is, in his death and resurrection, he is the sacrifice for all sin, and that is a blood sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And this 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 post wants to twist that. He even says that Paul gets it wrong, right? Yeah, there's a comment but later on later that on, says, like, well, oh, yeah, Paul, Paul gets it wrong. But, but so, see, here's yeah. the point, is that you might not like a God who demands blood sacrifice. I don't care. Because <laughs> the God of scriptures reveals himself to us as a God of love through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Mm. And when Exodus 34 says that he's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, it's actually because of Jesus. And this is one of the most important things is that grace is that God loves us because of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the hinge of all this is if you want to know what love is, get yourself to the cross, look there at Jesus. And there you see yeah. God in the flesh giving himself on behalf of sinners like me, yeah. like you. That's what love is. That's that's what this week is all about. That's why we would encourage you, get to church as much as you can this week. And if it's not Holy Week when you hear this, get to church on Sunday. Yeah. And and, and I'm going to say this, and, and I, I say it seriously. And when you go, go to listen about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Don't. Don't go to pay attention to the children's program or how cute the kids are or who's wearing what or who's whatever, whatever. But my or kids whether are going to be cute. Well, your kids I mean, are. <laughs> or whether the, you like the hymns or not. I mean, all that happens. But the reason we go to church is because God loves you so much he sent his son Jesus to mm-hmm. die for you. And that act of God has been accomplished for you. That's who God is. Yeah, that's the God of Exodus thirty-four. That's the God of First John four. That's the God yep. of the New Testament. That's the God of the Old Testament. That this God loves you, and He's done something about it. And that definitive action is the death and resurrection of Jesus. All of our ideas of God are subject to that reality. Yeah, the the bottom line is that we know God by how He has revealed Himself to us, not by our own ideas of what He should be. I mean, this, this is a bigger conversation. We will likely come back to this as yep. a theme, just like we come back to trust, just like we come back to see, reading through the lens of Jesus. This will be you know, making sure we are understanding Scripture by how God has revealed himself to us, not our own baggage. And as you said, that revelation is explicitly in Jesus Christ and what he has done for us on the cross. And that is the crucial conversation. We'll see you next week. Thanks.